Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If those YouTubers are in the top 1% but are not building their team out right now, they're going to be hit really hard in the 2020 and 2021. It's going to be very difficult to keep up. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. As today, we've got a very exciting guest here with us to talk about all things YouTube and turning YouTube into a lot more than just one channel because uh, Preston, aka TBNR Frags, one of the most OG channels in the game, not only has one channel these days, he's got a few. He's also doing a bunch of other very, very exciting stuff. And you know, while I might try and flex my two plaques in the background here, he happens to have a whole lot more. So uh, Preston, thanks for coming in. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here. Been wanting to be on the show for a while. So when Grace reached out, I was it like, is okay, an honor. It so is let's an go. <laughs> I got to make I gotta make my way out to Australia soon though. Okay, real talk. When things you are do. over, settled down, I'm going to fly over there. I'm going to surprise all the Australians with a million V-Bucks each. So I get a big video out of it. Okay, it'll be great. Preston is an insane content creator. He's a massive inspiration to me in a number of ways. He's running about five channels at the moment. He's getting more than half a billion views a month, which is just completely mind blowing. And um, he's really, I think one of the people that I look to most as having taken their YouTube channel and really turned it into like a built out business. But I guess before we get to that, Preston, um, tell us about like when this all started for you, like what made you hit upload for the first time? How did this go from a young teenage Preston to what it is today. I actually love this one because I, I don't know why, but it's so fun to like reflect and go back. It was all because of a YouTube content creator. His name was XJaws. So I don't know if you guys know oh, who yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, Elliot's like, I know who he was. I, he was I'm all about the OG COD stuff. Oh yeah, he was absolutely slaying it. And at that time I'd been playing Call of Duty kind of like semi-professionally on the PC. And back then people were like, well, you play you play on the PC? That's it's for nerds. I play on controller. And so kind of like down upon. Anyways, I was like, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to make videos like this guy. And like, I think I can teach people how to play. And then I started posting videos and I was like, this is really difficult. Eight months of that and doing daily live streams on Twitch. And then eventually... Like, I, I literally, kid you not, said a prayer one night, next day, spam comments. I was the spam commenter, okay? Like, I had to grow somehow, guys. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but I was I was spam commenting. Wait, a, you were spam commenting on other people's channels? I was spam commenting on Machinima Respawn's <laughs> live stream no, i like i feel like i feel like there's so many channels that like that these days you see all those in your conversation like oh, oh like, yeah little, like this is disgusting like what are you guys doing that's not how you grow back in the day though like a hundred percent i wouldn't like i wouldn't leave comments that were like go subscribe to me but as soon as i got the verification tick at like 50 100k subs I would 100% like leave comments on other big channels in the same community because YouTube used to push any verified oh, yeah. comments all the way to the top and then everyone would see it and everyone would be like, oh, 
who's that? that? That guy's got a verified tick. That must be like a relevant channel. And then they would click it and then you would gain following. It's But you got to do what you got to do. And it's like, it's one 100%. thing if you're, yeah, it's like if you're hurting somebody, but like, I'll be the first person to admit it. I definitely abused the Machinima Respawn Facebook app. Okay. Definitely didn't make 25 <laughs> Facebook accounts to boost my video on the Machinima Respawn app. Listen, I was so motivated and hungry. I was like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. But I was right-clicking comments, right, in the live stream of Machinima Respawn. This was like, live streaming was brand new. This was 2011, November, so almost a decade ago. And like now, live streaming on YouTube is obviously super massive. There's streaming deals, lots of crazy things. Nine years ago, it was jank as jank could be. So I'm like right-clicking <laughs> comments of people and I'm spam commenting, right? Like, hey, can you, I got kind of cool videos. You got to check out my channel. <laughs> and then the person I spam commented was Anthony Shore Wars, director of partnerships at Machinima Respawn. And then all of a sudden, he slides into my YouTube. Yeah, YouTube used to have an inbox long ago. I actually remember that, like, ages ago. Not a lot of people remember that. So I got an inbox email from Anthony Shore Wars. And it was, hey, I really like your content. Would you like to be a Machinima Respawn director and partner? And back then, being a director means you got to have a weekly series on the Machinima Respawn channel, which means you got paid for the views on the Machinima Respawn channel. And of course, massive, massive juice to your channel. And back then, Machinima Respawn, 1.7 million subscribers was like the equivalent of like 15 to 20 million today. So it was yeah. huge. And like back then on YouTube, if you weren't partnered, you couldn't do anything. Literally can yeah. do it. So you were like, you were like, I've made it. Oh, I made so many enemies that day because they were like, you're lying. You're not, you didn't become a director and partner. And I was like, but I got the inbox message. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I don't know. I just like, oh, I prayed so tough for like weeks and weeks. And that happened. And that was like the big launch. Cause that's like when I started my big series, Moab with every gun back in Modern Warfare 3. I hated you for that. Cause I remember this is back before I had a channel, but I was watching COD nonstop and I watched some of your stuff. And I remember I was just there like, I don't even have one Moab. And then I just watched you be like pulling them off with like snipers and just like the dumbest things. Like Dude, then I did the 202 Moab live stream. Took me 57 hours of consecutive live streaming. Slept for a day and a half afterwards. Wait, what? Wait, you got 202 Moabs in one stream. Yeah, we did it for charity. It was great. Although, like, Wait, I think my body sorry, never recovered. Sorry, did you just recovered. say you streamed for 57 hours it was, straight? It was nutty, guys. It was wait, nutty. Wait, wait, wait. But, but even then, that's... People that's die like, that's after like, saying... No, 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 no. That's four Moabs an hour, right? Am I... My brain? Have I had enough of this coffee? Yeah, you're about right. Like, I was slowing down. Like, the first, like, bit was, was good. But then, like, you get, like... You know, like, day one, not too bad. 36 hours in, the fatigue really hits. And then, like... Day two, you're like, <sighs> I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. I had totally forgotten the first time you and I uh, played Fortnite. And I think it was with Lockie. And I'd like, I'd totally forgotten or I just hadn't like lined up or my brain had just totally blanked that like this was the TBNR frag. So I like used to watch get all the Moabs back in the day. And I remember... Like, I think a lot of people think of you as, like, Minecraft Roblox guy, which obviously they don't associate with, like, being ridiculously good at games. And then I remember playing Fortnite, and you, like, had barely played Fortnite relative to me and Lockie. Like, you were still pretty new, and you were just walking through people. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, oh, wait, yep, it's Moab, dude. Rob actually always credits you with that. He's like, I think Preston has one of, like, the best game IQs I've ever met of anyone. Like, your ability to just, like, pick up games quickly. Rob is such a nice guy. That was 
those those are fun times. <laughs> like all the competitive gaming. It's really funny though, because like you'll get two different types of people, and like you sometimes you get like the younger audience that know you based on only your Minecraft or Roblox videos. Then you get like I, I was at church one day, and this like super buff dude, right, comes up behind me. He's like, "Yo," and I was like, "Yeah, me?" He's like, <laughs> "Have yeah, I done you. something?" And I was like, <laughs> "Hi." And he's like, "Loved your Moab videos," and I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> Don't scare me like that, though. It's, just, it's like terrifying. But it's so funny that it's a big split in the audience. So you got the you got the machinima contract. Everything starts turning up. When because this is one of the things that I feel like I admire most about you is that I don't just see you as a YouTuber. Like you've managed to grow your team to. What, how, ma how many employees and people do you have on your team now? So we have 26 on the production side and then we have about 12 over on merchandising and some of them kind of like cross-pollinate for the retail yeah. and the merchandising. And then with the ranch, we have a full-time staff over there as well of about six. So it's like roughly 42, 45 um, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's going pretty fast. That's insane. Like I think Elliot, I don't know about you, but I don't know any other YouTubers well, maybe I could think of like two to three maybe other YouTubers beasts. that have teams that big. Yeah, yeah, oh, the yeah, big yeah. Beast. the big, the big, the big beastie boy. At what point, or how long ago was it when you were like, okay, to be able to grow this to the point that I want to, I'm gonna need to bring on some people. And how how did that work? Who were the first people that you hired? How did you decide that you know has has this sort of just been unfolding as it goes or is it part of a big master plan that you've had for the last 10 years no i think it's like you know how a lot of people say like you know self-made and all that other nonsense like those always like really trigger me because just like a good parent to a child like you are made by your parents you're also made by you know you're shaped iron sharpens iron so you're like really shaped around the mentors you surround yourself with other youtubers entrepreneurs and that was a big thing for me is my mom was like listen, you got like 50 people and none of them got contracts. I'm going to come work for you and I'm going to do it for cheap because you're my son and I've got a lot of practical business experience. Pause for a second. So when you say you've got 50 people with no contracts, what are you, what are you talking about there? Oh, we're talking about cosmic. We're talking about good old fashioned cosmic Minecraft. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so cosmic for the people at home that I think don't know. And I feel like this is a whole nother thing that we could get into on another episode, Elliot, but, um, well, Preston, do you want to do you want to explain what Cosmic is for the yeah. people that don't know? In like a nutshell, the easiest way to explain it is it's like it's a game within a game, and the specific game it's within is Minecraft. So a lot of times people are popping up like it's like generic Minecraft servers, like and they're like plugins, and like anybody can load them up, and they're public. What we did with Cosmic was kind of similar, but then we built upon it with weekly updates, just like Fortnite did for so many years, and then now you know it's man, they're like five, six years old. Like they have now become their own full featured games that still exist within Java Minecraft. So Cosmic was your first experience like employing other people to help you out with a project. Yes. And then you brought on your mom to help you kind of formalize that a little bit. So wait, at the, sorry, at the stage when you started that, did you already have like a YouTube team or was it literally like that was actually the first time you'd built a team for anything? That was the very beginning. I think Rob and I kind of shared a part-time editor we were experimenting with because like we weren't necessarily sure you know a lot of i think a lot of people back then were like scared of like hiring anybody or spending any money because youtube was so new and it's like you know we're doing great but like how long is this going to last and also 
do I need an editor? Is that gonna, you know, disconnect me from my audience? So Okay, mm -hmm. that's what I was gonna say, because I forget who we were talking about it with, but do you remember there was a point where there was like some weird stigma around having oh, an yeah. editor? And it would be like YouTubers who had editors would have to like NDA their editor to the nines, but you can never tell anyone that I don't edit my own videos. This would be so bad. This would and, and so like funny. If, and if people thought you had an editor in the comments, they'd be like, oh my God, like you've changed, man. You used to be like one of the people and now you're like, it was like people read into that. And these days it's like, I can't imagine any, like I think Lannan is the only big YouTuber I know who doesn't have an editor. Yeah, like, I feel like it's, it's tough, man. Like, I mean, obviously too, like, I don't know about you, Elliot. I was never really a good editor. Like I could clip edit and like I was, I'm fast, yeah. but like I wasn't good. And I was like, okay, well, if I want to provide my audience with more value, how can I do that? Well, it's investing in an editor who can take time to edit a video and edit it well. Now, yeah, like maybe it's 100%. not, yeah, it's just like, cause yeah. it's like, we're not like, we're better at doing I, something other than <laughs> editing. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I remember, I remember back in the day, I was like, it was, it, yeah, it actually was kind of practical after a point because like, oh my God, especially in like Overwatch, I was spending five, six hours a day, like getting the footage. And then, you know, by the, and then that means I probably only got like four hours, four or five hours left in the day to actually do an edit versus if I have an editor, they can do like a whole eight hours on one video and put in more effects, more comedy, more like zoom, like all that fancy stuff. I think, um, I think that the hard part though is relinquishing that control after so long. Like once you've edited your own stuff for a while, well, YouTubers you are like... just like perfectionists, and I think that's like yeah, you know, usually what helps them grow. But it's it's such a double edged sword because if you don't trust other people to take on and you can't delegate your work, you'll never duplicate yourself, or you'll never end up putting more value back into you know your YouTube channel. How's that been for you? Because for most people, or a lot of the creators that I've worked with it's a challenge to bring on a thumbnail maker and an editor for their channel. You've now employed upwards of 40 people. How has it been for you relinquishing that control? And are you managing these people on a day-to-day -day basis? Like how, how's that been for you? Because you're still creating content for multiple channels like daily every week. It's definitely like a nutshell, it's a circus, but it's like every day gets like a little bit better so in terms of direct reports, I, I have five and that's, I call them my junior admin team. So we've got a director of strategy and he has four people underneath him. And then I've got our director of post-production. He's got four editors underneath him. Then you've got director of creative. So he manages two creatives underneath him and so on and so forth. So definitely at the beginning, I think the, I think what YouTubers should do now as they continue to gain success, success and momentum is they should really look to hire more of an advanced staff initially. So somebody for operations, somebody that they can, you know, like, oh, if I hire you, you can have four people underneath you because you actually have management experience and you get the scope yeah. of the vision. But I think what I did and a lot of other YouTubers do, it's like, let me hire people that I can grow. But then you bring on 10 people that you're like, oh, wait, these people won't have the tools they need to succeed unless I spin at least an hour or two a day with them. And so I think that's where I was last summer in 2019. And it was, it was a lot. And I didn't focus on building managers. And I just focused on, you know, building the team all myself rather than being like, you know what, we should also delegate the leadership and the training for the team as well. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest like things that actually puts people off building a team is that I think a lot of the time when you're doing YouTube, you're already like so stressed. Like I remember back when I was like doing all my own editing and stuff like that. 
it was like seven days a week, like 16 hours a day, just like nonstop every single day. And then someone's like, oh, okay, like, why don't you get an editor? And I was like, an editor? Like, because then I have to train them. I don't have time to train an editor. Like, that's insane. And then, but like, you know, eventually I kind of just had to come to terms with the fact that like, if I don't find a way to find the time to train an editor, then I'm going to be stuck in that 16 hour cycle forever. And that, um, you know, kind of like, and I remember for the first, like for the first six months or for the first few months I had my editor, like he, I didn't post anything that he edited, but every day I'd just flick in the same footage that I was editing. And then I'd go away and I'd edit it. And then we'd come back and meet at the end of the day and like compare. And I'd be like, okay, this is like what you did good. And this is like where, see what I did here and that's better. And I think, um, yeah, but oh my God, once you make that leap and you actually get someone who's trained up a bit more, it's so, so good. Powerful in a way, like it's empowering. Cause you're like, oh, yeah. I, I could duplicate a small part of what I love to do, right? And like a lot of things I'll tell people, it's like so many YouTubers, I'm like, listen, just take a notebook, write down everything that you don't like that you currently are doing. Go back the next day, highlight it. Hire people for the things you highlighted. But then the things you didn't highlight, keep it for yourself. I was yeah. talking about this with Carter Share. I was like, hire a, I was like, hire a head of production and make this head of production build out your post-production team, your your production coordinator team, right? And like, then they can have people underneath them and like, you know, I come over to this guy's house. He's in this beautiful place. Beautiful. I don't know if you've seen his place. It's insane. I won't disclose the location, but it's so cool. <laughs> but I go over there and he's laying turf. He's like, yeah, I've been laying turf for like four to six hours. And I was like, what do you mean? I think that advice that you just said there about, and I know we've spoken about it previously, about hiring more senior people that can you can then empower to hire their own teams is a subtle thing, but so critical. And I mean, I think these are problems that people probably face building any type of business. I know like with building Click, that's been a challenge as well as where it's like you want to hire junior people that you feel can grow in the role, but you also want to be hiring people that can help you take the load off. And sometimes when you bring on more people, it actually adds a huge amount of workload, at least in the short term. So it, it, it's absolutely an investment. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that like, you bring on a new hire, it's going to fix a hole, but usually it ends up adding another one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a long, it's definitely a long term play. And you mentioned you mentioned working with your mom, and I know you you now work with obviously a lot of members of your family, including your wife and your siblings. Like how how's that for a family dynamic? That's great. You know, my work dynamic. My parents have always been entrepreneurs. Dad retired from the Air Force, ended up going into pre need services, so he like sold funeral plots, stuff like that. And my mom was an investment real estate agent and had a lot of business background. So it was great. Like mom came into the fold. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So like contracts and stuff. Don't really know what that is, but I think I want them. And then also <laughs> I want a merchandise company. And she was like, okay, I can build that for you. I gave her a few things. And then she just hit it and slammed it. And that was great. Um, my brother does our logistics. He's our logistics coordinator. So I posted a video recently hiding in a one-way mirror, like in our warehouse. He built that, like the whole mirror, the whole setup. The whole yeah. shebang, all of the red herrings in the warehouse, like like a locked vault with a color, like code combination. So like it would throw my siblings off before they find me. It's such a blessing. And he's got three people underneath him who help him build. Um, working with like your wife on a daily basis is so fun because she's learned and grown so quickly and has dominated the female entertainment space in a very short period of time. I feel like back in the day, YouTube was very... It wasn't that it was not competitive, but like, oh my God, I can't imagine trying to break into YouTube these days. I think I would actually, like, I, I don't even know if I could do it because I feel it's like so back, 
there's so many people making content and there's so many people making pretty good content. Like sometimes I'll like be like, you know, just typing in like Fortnite to YouTube just to see what pops up and like come across a video with like 200 views. And I'm like, that's like, that's, that's good content. That's fine. Like, and, and, but like, but once again, getting that traction is super hard, but, um, but you know, I think like, you know, the examples being like what you just said there and like what you're doing and what like Mr. Beast are doing where it, it, you can only really elevate your content to kind of be above now, if you actually do have a team back in the day, you could be making the greatest content on YouTube as a one man team. But these days you can't be the best anymore by just being yourself. It used to be the pinnacle of content was getting uh, like 16 and four COD gameplay and then talking over it being like, yes, yeah, like I saw a guy on the corner there. And I thought I'd like chase him a little bit. And then I like, and then you can see there, I got him. Anyway, guys, thanks for watching. Go hit subscribe. You're the biggest COD channel in the world. Like that was like, that was it. These days you've got like, you know, Mr. Beast giving away like, 200 grand in a single video and destroying a car with a rock that dropped from a crane and then and then that's only like one tenth of the video because he's also giving a lamborghini to that guy and like but just like the arms race of content. and by the way he bought an island yeah, yeah. <laughs> beachy dubs bought an island gave it away but not only that but i mean just like the arms race of content going up and up and up like and you look at it across everything like these days to be a successful group channel like you you need to be like you look at what the sidemen do and they're like they're doing really cool stuff in pretty much every video and it's just not the kind of thing that you can it's just not realistic to expect to be one of the best if you aren't also willing to kind of work with people and actually relinquish some of that kind of workload the greatest thing about youtube is like as the viewership grows so does the need for more creators and so like everybody's watching this and you want to be a creator like so much space for that but like we're talking like top like one and two percent like if those youtubers are in the top one percent but are not building their team out right now they're going to be hit really hard into 2020 and 2021. It's going to be very difficult to keep up because there's only so much. Every week, you might not be as creative as you were the previous week. You might not have the same amount of energy. You might not have the same amount of throughput. Your operation skills, like you just, like you can't do it all. You just can't. And you have to find people that can assist. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, because you might think like, oh, I can never delegate a creative idea to somebody. And then you're like, actually, I can, they've learned everything from me and they do a great job. Also, I didn't think about it from this perspective because I've been frayed and I've done YouTube for 10 years. Like when Brianna started making YouTube content, she brought a lot of ideas and I was like, face value, I don't think they're gonna do well, but I wanna see how they pan out. And they did phenomenal, right? She had yeah. something to do like eight or 10 million views. And I'm like, having that fresh perspective was huge. And also, even if say you hire someone for a creative role and maybe they're only like half as good as you, realistically, if that's like their job, like, you know, if, if you, when, it, when it comes to like you coming up with creative ideas, like you only have so many hours in the day to really sit there and be like hard brainstorming that. But if you mm -hmm. have someone whose whole job is doing that all day, every day, going, researching content, seeing what's trending, seeing what things are doing well, and then bringing those ideas back, refining them down and then coming to you with them, like doesn't matter if they they might not have the same like natural skill immediately off the bat they develop that over time but just the sheer amount of time they can put in is huge and on youtube like ideas and titles and how they all kind of frame the content that's i mean that's everything so it's 
once again, just pays off. Creators will never be able to fully step away from creative like you yeah. kind of in a way can with like post-production, which is just editing. You can really kind of step away from that because you can give brief one minute editing notes of like how you wanted the pacing or like maybe your general direction or feedback. Plus you can QC videos, but with creative, it's a little bit trickier. Like I feel like you're always going to be approving ideas or you're going to be giving the idea with what I like to call the bones. And then you toss it over to your pre-production team and they add the meat to the video. And that's like, yeah. okay, the majority of what's going to be happening, the actionable moments, what is going to create a great moment out of the talent in this video? And it's not like, okay, what's a minute to win it challenge we can do where we th throw ping pong balls in a cup and whoever lands the most in a minute wins. It's like that challenge does not exist to serve the talent for entertainment purposes. It's got to be something ridiculous. Like when I'm breaking through a hundred layers of Minecraft materials and my sister puts baby oil on all the handles of the, the tools. I'm literally have a 30 pound pickaxe slipping out of my hands as I'm swinging at this stone, right? Like it's, I don't know. It's just like, I don't think YouTubers will ever be able to fully pull away, but they can definitely delegate out a big chunk of creative. Absolutely. I also feel like the vision for what creators, it's like not only without a team, are they probably not going to be able to take their channel to the point that, it could possibly go, but I feel like creators also now have bigger visions for what they're trying to do with their businesses as a whole. Like it's not just about the one YouTube channel. It's about, I don't know, like you see Mr. Beast has just started like a gaming channel and now he's like easily one of the top gaming channels in the world. Like unbelievable how quickly he's been able to scale that. And then you touched on it briefly before, but you've got your in-house merch company, which is really, really interesting because for people listening at home, obviously merch is a pretty core part of a lot of creators businesses, but a lot of creators are doing that through a third party merch provider, like uh, a Fanjoy might be a really common example of a big one. But what made you like, what made you decide to want to do that yourself? And how, and how's that process been? Merchandise has been great. Start off in the parents garage, <laughs> you know, bought like a I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today smaller warehouse property and it, it served us for like two years now we're turning it into our, our our coffee shop big spoilers fire cup coffee's on the way big franchise what um so i'd be coming up soon that's so sick super excited <laughs> and then now we've got our current warehouse but it's been a great great process wait of fire cup coffee is a like great a, oh, name oh, fire i like that <laughs> You gonna be selling selling the beans? Oh, dude! I, yeah, my mom was like, "Oh no, 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 no! We're gonna roast our own beans." You gotta yeah, send you send, <laughs> send me some of those beans, bro. Oh, almost I'm almost send you some beans, beans, baby. Maybe I'll put the I'll put the Elliot special on the secret menu. Ooh, yes, the musel <laughs> the mu the, the musel mocha. The what's going on, guys? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll just import you up Vegemite in the morning. and put it in the coffee. It'd be great. The only thing that gives you a bigger shock to the system than my videos is a <laughs> is a fire cup coffee. And how's merchandise has been phenomenal. I think it's because like if you're a new creator starting out now and you're like, I really want merchandise, you don't have to take the risk like that I did a long time ago with like hiring people, fulfillment, distribution, negotiating with UPS, USPS, DHL, 
all these like shipping services. Like there's so much that goes into it, purchasing a warehouse, right? Like now it's like, hey, like we'll split profits, but we'll take care of everything, including creative and social medias. So it's like, I feel like it's really good in 2020. Like it's now very competitive, but doing it earlier on, like by yourself was really cool too. Cause you get to keep so much of the creative to yourself. And also at the same time, like a lot of our, a lot of like our workers are like close family friends. Are there people who are just like in need of work? Right. And it's like, it's great to provide good paying job opportunities rather than just, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure we could outsource this and, and, and pay much less, but it's like, it's not about money. It's about growing and growth usually leads to more money, but more importantly, it's like, okay, can we provide people with good paying jobs way above minimum wage at Preston styles? We can't, right? Like we don't start people anywhere near minimum wage. Cause like can't, can't live off that. Like that's low, even for somebody who's like 16. Um, but it's yeah. been a phenomenal experience. And actually since COVID we have tripled and quadrupled our inventory and our sales month over month. So it's like we're on pace to almost triple, triple what we're doing this year than what we did in 2019, which is crazy. Cause 2019 we broke our records. And so I was like, wow, What's going on here? Why is everybody buying merch? I'm like, I'm happy for it, but like, why are you guys all buying merch right now? How do you feel like that mentality for you has been to develop? Because I feel like, you know, hearing hearing more about this from you, you're definitely in a mentality where you're thinking about growth all the time. And you're thinking about how you can invest further in what you're doing and like putting, you know, while doing merch in-house is super cool and hopefully leads to, you know, more growth for you in the future. I think like for people at home, that's a huge undertaking. It's not easy. It probably involves massive upfront cost or it would for, you know, inventory is expensive guys. Warehouse and the mm. salary. You don't and, sell, you don't sell inventory. You don't make money and you lose a lot of money. So, and, and even doing things like these other business ventures that you're getting into hiring a lot of people obviously requires huge investment in salaries and that sort of thing. And I feel like, that's a mentality shift for a lot of creators that can often come into YouTube where they've been at that point that you were talking about where you're doing it and you're working really hard and you're not making any money. And so when you start to make a little bit of money, there's this almost scarcity mentality where you're tempted to just feel like you have to hang on to it because who knows if someone could take it away again. How do you feel like you were able to shift out of that and get to the place where you are now? I think it was, it was really my mom. Like when she came on and you know, she came in on like at a very, very modest $40,000 a year, which is very modest for my mom's experience. And she was like, I just want to help. And then obviously she's not paid 40,000 a year anymore, but that's what she came on. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I might go broke. And like, I had enough money to have, you know, three or four employees at 40,000 a year. But of course, like the scarcity, we're just like, what if it goes away? And she's like, She's like, you can't take any of this money with you to the grave, only the people's lives you impact. And also you love growth. So if you don't hire me, then you're not going to grow. And I was like, that's a really good point. I should probably do this. I was like 19 at the time, maybe, maybe 2019 or something like that. And then that was really like the switch for me when she said that. And then ever since then, I was like, okay, how can we grow this? How can we expand? What new projects, new opportunities? What can we invest in? And that's when it really started to kind of like look at just life from a different lens almost, you know, it just went from like that narrow little lens, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that one on your iPhone camera, that's the three X. And then it went to the bam, <laughs> the 0.6 wide field of view lens. <laughs> that's when it all changed. Uh, I've never heard that analogy, but I like it. Okay. So shifting slightly, 
I feel like something that I hear about you frequently and a couple of people ask questions about it before we started the podcast and it's it's not a, not a criticism, but I feel like it's a comment that I've heard about your kind of content from um, from people. And it's that obviously your content appeals to children for the predominant for the predominant part, I would mm-hmm. say. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Kids is a major part of your audience. Oh, definitely. For a lot of creators, there's this whole piece that people are obsessed with around um, authenticity and being yourself on camera. And obviously, you're, you know, a 26 year old guy now, and a lot of your content is appealing to children. And with that, you know, you might alter your behavior slightly, alter your language slightly, that sort of thing to appeal to kids. How do you feel? about that and how do you balance being authentic with also being responsible to the audience that you know that you're providing content? It's a really good question because I think in 2019 is when we, I decided to make a pivot because I would say a lot in 2019 when I switched my original Minecraft channel to making real life content, we did the beginning of 2019, the content was great for like the first quarter um, and then it kind of got into this like, this kind of strange narrative slump. And like narrative content is great, but it's not really been like the main focus of my content. It's usually just like trying to be entertaining, have fun. That's like a big deal. But it ended up getting into this like stranger rabbit hole of like what you're talking about, like very kids oriented content. And then in uh, October of 2019, I was like, guys, like we need to break the mold and go back to what we like were enjoying doing. And cause we weren't having fun with the videos. And I was like, let's go back to doing what we love to do. And like, I was like, I would love the dude perfect audience where we know that kids these days, like when you're eight, you're really like 14. And when you're like 14, you're like 22. Like that's just how it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And, and it went from like people being like, oh, your content's so cringe. You're on Reddit kids, all that fun stuff to like, oh, I love watching your hide and seeks. Actually, I sit down with my, my kids and watch. Cause like, oh, the one with the SWAT team was so much fun to watch. I don't care if you're a kid, teenager or adult. And like, that's what I was looking for. And it's like, I know kids are going to watch my content because we got a lot of energy, positivity. A lot of people hate that and think it's cringe, but that's who we are. So you can't really change it. But it's definitely how you depict your content and what you're creating content about. So that was a big shift for us in terms of like what our audience is and like who we are. Because, you know, you produce, I've done 8,000 YouTube videos now across all my channels. Like at some point in time, like, you know, the journey gets a little bit like this. You get a little bit off track and you're like, wait, 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 why am I making this type of content again? Like my fans aren't necessarily enjoying it. Plus like I'm not necessarily enjoying it. So let's, let's re-pivot back into this and, uh, and kind of change things up. So to me, like, I think I'm pretty much the same on camera, off camera. Um, usually I've got a little bit more ca- energy on camera because I'm tired by the time I get off camera. <laughs> but usually like my personality is just a little bit more emphasized, but it's very similar. But that's a good question, Grace, because like literally uh, 2019 was like when I was like, I'm, I'm tired of like just making like this type of narrative kids content. I still want to have kids as an audience because they're great. And I, I think kids are awesome. I have five siblings. But how do I appeal to the dude perfect audience where it's not just kids, but it's primarily kids, but teenagers, preteens, adults, families, yeah. everybody wants to watch. No, actually, yeah, that's not. I think that's I think that's super interesting because I think that's that's definitely a thing you hear. It's like, is he really like that in real life or is he like putting on an act because he knows he has a child-friendly audience and and that sort of thing and I and sometimes people will say that to me like people that haven't met you and I'm like, I feel like he's really like you are a super energetic, positive person. Like I I I agree. I feel like um, you're not, 
you're really not that different off camera as you are on camera. Um, I mean, I feel like everyone sort of turns it up like 20% for camera. I mean, you gotta, yeah. You wanna, I don't know if yeah. anyone doesn't do well, that. Well, it's because like yeah, when you're on camera, you're, you're like the most vulnerable. And the camera knocks off like 20% of your energy. Like it does because like you're not in person. Like you're, you're literally being filmed through yeah, a lens. You, so like, you literally need to break through. Like if, 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 if I talk totally like just like conversation, people are like, bro, like, are you, like, half asleep? Like, what are you doing? It's like, <laughs> are you okay? But whereas I'm like, what's going on, guys? People are like, like, oh, yeah, like, good morning. Like, good so. <laughs> well, I feel like, plus, people, like, want to watch content to be entertained. Like, they don't, yeah. it's not like, you know, like, if they want to watch informative content, sure, like, that type of commentary style is perfect. But, like, if you're watching for the sake of being entertained, you probably want somebody who's putting in extra energy and gusto into their content. And I never ever understood that disconnect between cringe and gusto i was like okay go go somewhere else then <laughs> and i feel do you think about like your wider business strategy when you're thinking about the content that you're creating i mean obviously if you know you have like a wide um like wide net audience of children or or you know you, you know that kids make up part of your audience and you're thinking about the kind of merch that you're creating that's also targeting kids or you're thinking about other products that you might be interested in or well, I guess coffee is probably not going to be targeted <laughs> as the kids as much, but like, do you feel like you're aware of that as well? Because I feel like some sometimes I'll speak to YouTubers and they're like, oh, I could just never be anything but exactly who I am. Mm. Um, even if, even if, yeah, that might actually inhibit their growth in some aspects. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question too, because really like, I kind of agree with them. I definitely like to be who I am on camera, off camera, like it's Preston, baby. Like that's what you get. But at the same time, <laughs> I also think about when I'm putting out merchandise, when I'm launching a new project, when I'm launching a video, like it's gotta be something I'm gonna have fun with. It's something that I would wanna wear. Like I, I like wearing this, it's sick. Like maybe it's not for everybody, that's totally fine. But like nothing hits my merchandise shelves without my approval. Cause it's like, I, a lot of times I look at stuff and be like, I hate that zebra print. That's so ugly. I'm not, I wouldn't wear it. So we're not selling it. So it's like, yeah, same thing for YouTube content. And if it's like, uh, that was like, kind of a cringy video, I'm gonna delete the whole thing. Like, I'm like, I'm not liking how the pacing is. Or like, some of these are like, kind of strange. Like, you know, like when I was like, I wanna do hide and seek with a bounty hunter, a SWAT team. Cause like, that's a wide audience net, but also like, it's fun. It's like, yeah. I don't wanna do like a fake narrative hide and seek. I've done one or two in the past. And it's like, oh, I didn't notice Preston was there. Unless it's like blown up over the top for the sake of comedic purposes, right? But it's like, I like, I like it authentic and real. And like, it should be like a challenge in real life. Like the best way to break down the content is like the Christian Kardashians. That's what I tell people. And they're like, what's your overarching brand vision? And I'm like, Christian Kardashians. Hopefully that helps you. <laughs> I actually love that. Um, Cause I was gonna ask like, yeah, how how do you view, obviously, um, obviously you create very, very family friendly content and you, and and that fits for who you are as a person. It fits for the audience. It fits for the type of content you're creating. Like, how do you think, because this is a question that um, I chat about with a few creators that I know on a relatively regular basis, and it's around the concept of being a role model. And some creators are hyper aware of the fact that they have audience that really looks up to them and they really take on that responsibility of being a role model. And I feel like other creators that, um, that we know might shun it a little bit and be like, look, I'm just doing me. I never claimed to be a role model. I never asked for it. Um, therefore like, you know, do as I say, but not as I do. Like, how do you view that 
responsibility. I think it's like a, it's a definitely a balance. I do think though that kids these days and, and like teenagers, like they definitely are looking up to YouTubers as their role models. I think it's very important to be conscientious of like, what are you posting on Instagram? What are you posting on TikTok? What are you posting on Twitter? Like we made a really funny TikTok with my social media manager, but it said boobies. I was like, it's, it's skirting a little too much. Okay, just like, just come on. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And you're always like, and my mom was like, you're gonna bury yourself underground for hide and seek. Do you know the bad example you're gonna set for your siblings? Plus, what if you die? And I was like, okay, well, like, we're gonna put a disclaimer in there, but I would really hope nobody else is going to bury themselves underground, especially <laughs> when we especially when we go through 60 minutes of, you know, safety precautions. Hey, I've got a scuba tank with fresh air. Hey, I've got my AirPod in. I'm on, I'm on the phone with one of my employees. So if anything goes wrong, they'll cut the video, right? Like, I think I'm very hyper-conscious about it because I think it's really important to influence this generation and this but audience. But you actually buried you, yourself underground? My siblings had 30 minutes to find me. We, we had an hour to dig a hole, put me in a box, bury me back up. Wife brings the siblings back in. 30 minutes, five hints, a thousand bucks if they find me. It's great. And, it's like, and if you don't find him, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was so hot. It was 102 degrees that day and that box is... That's a lot. I've seen, I've seen some horror movies that look real similar to this. I was, I was also yeah, low-key. Like, I was not. like, don't demonetize me, please. You have this audience that you've developed over a period of years. And you know, you know that they trust you and look up to you. And I feel like, um, you know, this is a conversation I was having. I think I was having it with Lannan a few months ago. And I think we were saying where it's like, you know, if you've developed an audience and you're pushing products to them and, and you know that when you ask them to do something, oftentimes they'll, they will take an action in response to that. Like if you say like, Hey, buy my merch and they buy your merch. If you say like, Hey, look at this game I'm promoting and they'll take an action and go and download that game. I think you have a responsibility to make sure that your, um, yeah, like being responsible in what you ask them to do or the, or the way that you act as an example. Also, like if you are influencing millions and millions of people every day and potentially every hour, depending on how many views you're getting, you really should be trying to make a greater and bigger impact on society. And like not to be like self-righteous, but at the very least, just be like kind and nice. Like it's one thing to like, yeah, bully my siblings a little bit. Okay, like I'm the older brother. I'm going to bully them a little bit. But I'm still nice to them and love them. And I think it should be reciprocated, you know? And like, you should set a good example because you can also set a good example, but still be fun and be cool. I think there's some kind of disconnect where it's like, oh no, you have to be super edgy and like set a bad example if you want to be viewed as cool. And it's like, not really. Like, why? So I do think yeah. that some people yeah. should take it a little bit more seriously that are on the platform. Yeah, no, 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 like I was just gonna say, like I think there's actually been quite a good, at least partially transition where I feel like the internet went through this weird phase where I don't know whether it's just like us getting older, but like, uh, but like there was definitely, I, I remember such a phase, like, you know, five years ago where it was kind of like being kind of like a dick to like put it just straight was kind of like a cool thing, you know, like that was like the whole leafy. What do era. you mean? Like, like the leafy era where it was just like, you know, being kind of, kind of like, kind of like, you know, when you're in high school and it's like, if you're nice, you're not cool. Whereas if you're the guy who like bullies people, you're seen as like the cool guy. Like, I think that was like a big mentality in online content a few years ago. It was kind of like being edgy, being edgy and kind of just like, you know, like actually not 
bringing up the overall happiness of the world actually like increase your image whereas i feel like these days people are like yeah like cool but like you're kind of an asshole so like you just just don't you know I, like I, I think it's being i think it's good actually i think there's been a lot of good change with the way that people are putting themselves forward ultimately if you're building a business you want people to be happy and excited about working with you yeah. oh yeah you to- this might be the biggest cliche And like people hate, especially Reddit. I call it Reddit a lot, but like I go on that platform all the time. But it is, don't, I I searched my name once. I'll never search my name again. Uh, I didn't didn't like what I saw, but that's okay. But like when you work with somebody, like doesn't matter if you're the boss, the manager, the owner of the company, the lowest level employee, doesn't matter. When you work with people eight to 10 hours a day, you better love them and they better become family. Because you see people all the time. It's like, if you're on Reddit, if your family says they're a family company, you need to leave red flag. And I'm like, Dude, I'm spending more time with you than my wife and my actual family. Like, if I'm not going to your wedding, if I'm not playing games with you after hours, if we're not chatting on the weekends, you just, that's not a company culture that I want to cultivate. Not going to happen. I feel like that's a big thing, right? I love that. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I mean, I think that's amazing, but I think that's not common enough. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so cool. I gotta go see you guys. Yeah, I know. Get down. I know. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hey, Ellie, just can you pay my PJ? It's a, probably a hefty price for an 18 hour flight. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much that would be a transatlantic jet. Oh, God. It's not worth thinking about. It's not worth thinking about. <laughs> Preston, fire everyone who works for you and put that money into that one PJ trip to Australia. I, look. Trade-offs, bro. Trade-offs. It sounds, it sounds like a very legit business maneuver. Nobody'd be sad. <laughs> and, you know, like all those people who, you know, are being supported by that gainful employment. Like, like yeah, like <laughs> it's not that their happiness isn't important, but your happiness in being on a private jet is important. Apparently, it's the more important thing at this point. I love when Mark Rober did that. He's like, yeah, I took a private jet. What's the most economical thing? But I also donated, what do you donate? Like $20,000 to Team Trees to save the amount of, absorb the <laughs> amount of carbon that the private jet was creating. I don't Dude. know, science, bro. It was funny though. <laughs> I loved it. I love, I love literally like, uh, like just having so much money. You're mathematically trying to offset when you're like a dick. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I killed someone, but then I also donated enough to save someone. So mathematically, like we're chilling, guys. Like it's fine. God, Alchemy, that's, yeah, that's... equivalent exchange, guys. All right. So you're done. You, you've, you've, you've built out a giant YouTube production team that runs multiple channels for you and Brianna and all this other stuff. You got your own merch company. You're starting coffee. What, what else? Is there anything else besides this coffee thing that we now have the hot scoop on? <laughs> the big scoop. I mean, meatballs are really big one right now. We have a couple of things we can't can't mention that we're working on with some big partners, um, but it's its own channel. It's reaction-based with puppets, so it's IP we're trying to build and scale. And it's also just, like, really fun. Uh, once again, like, don't put my name on something I don't want to do, and I've always wanted to kind of get into the reacting video space, but figured if we were going to do it, we should do it in a more sensible way, which is awesome. Real estate's super big for us. Um, you know, that ranch, Elliot, you keep talking about, it's the first guest ranch in all of Texas. We bought the first one. 10-month remodel project. Wait, was it, now was it it's, Guest Ranch? It's like the first, it's like we're all, like a bunch of presidents in the U.S. stayed there. It's like a, it's a hotel. Technically, it's classified as a hotel because there's 38 bedrooms. <laughs> and then, so it's like a, they call it a guest ranch, but it's like a hotel ranch destination getaway, if that makes sense. So for like me, like, I'm only for your friends. Like only for your friends. I wish. 
Actually, we have so booked up. It's been a big blessing, but like weddings. Um, actually, John, our production manager, is getting married there next month. So really excited. People are booking out for like weddings and events. Dude, it's crazy. You have your hand in all sorts of little honey pots. <laughs> that's just like that's so that's so rad. It's like everything else is like building out like YouTube related businesses, but then it's like oh, but also I'm, it's like a cafe and also like a ranch that people have weddings at and also just go to stay. That's so, they, they, I'll I wait love... for my invite, Preston. I think I'm. You guys are always. It must have got lost in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it's fun. My mom is definitely more traditional brick and mortar when it comes to investments because you know she acts as our COO of our companies, so she loves that kind of stuff but like also like i'm sure elliot like you're in some tech tech investments like you know more new agey stuff and so it's great to have like you know a little bit of a balanced portfolio but it's i don't know it's fun like real estate's great because it's just so tangible you have something that's like there you can you can touch you know and so yeah. you say you want to be the christian the christian kardashians <laughs> are you gonna have a reality tv show are you gonna become a family vlogger like what's what's next? I always say we had a major network offer us a reality TV series for my family, and my mom said no. She said no. No, so, why? I would watch. She okay? I honestly, it was great, but of course, my mom. Dude, you know, the Kardashians, the Kardashians <laughs> are out. The Osmonds are in. I wanted it so bad, but she wanted full control to make sure like everything that was put on there. And then like obviously, Josh was like thirteen at the time. Caleb was fifteen. Kitty was like, yes, I can promote my music. <laughs> Let me do this show, mom. But I would love to do something like that. I think we'd actually hire our own production company and then sell the reality TV show if we did that. But that'd be fun. You're wildly successful. You've got a beautiful family. Like what's motivating you to keep going at this point? What's Who's inspiring you? I think it's like the people you surround yourselves around. I mean, faith for me is definitely my biggest inspiration, but also getting to the office every single day. Like sometimes I like pull away from videos just to go say hi to the team that's here because I love spending time with them. And that's a big motivator too. Like seeing people grow and helping them grow, that really just makes you want to keep coming in. And I guess it's also like reinventing yourself is the most exhausting thing about YouTube, but also the most inspiring because you're like, I can come up with another idea that's better than my last one and then execute on it, and then this happens. So like, it's so inspiring and it's so fun. I think like every day, like most humans wake up and they probably have a very simple phrase and it's like, I wanna be better than I was yesterday. And so I feel like that's just like reason enough to like just wanna try to do something new or like have fun and, and just grind. It's so wholesome. I'm energized coming away from this. You guys I got me that. energized. No. <laughs> Let's go make some content. Um, <laughs> I'm starting a reality TV show. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Preston, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I always love talking with you and always leave feeling more energized and excited about everything than, than when I came in. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. This podcast was great. Hey, maybe next time if I guest star again or whatever, in person, Australia, Elliot and I together, Maybe, maybe Grace. 100%. No, we're all coming to the ranch. Okay, okay, fine. We'll do the ranch then. We're going to need you to build a podcast room in the ranch. Convert one of those 38 bedrooms into a podcast room. Thank you. Done. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is a blast. Thank you guys so much for watching this week's episode. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.